0: Welcome to the Astro Guy Podcast. I'm not an expert, I'm an amateur like you. I'm here to learn and here to teach. So let's enjoy the ride together. Carpe Noctum seize the night. I'm your host, Wayne Zool, and this is the Astro Guy Podcast. This is a really special episode. In it, I had the pleasure of interviewing James Maynard, the host of the Cosmic Companion podcast, YouTube channel, webpage, and more. James is a lifelong amateur astronomer, astrophotographer, as well as being an author, a podcast host, and much more. In the interview, we dive into artificial intelligence and how it can be beneficial to amateur astronomy, education, and so many other areas of our lives. I'd urge you to check out James's podcast, The Cosmic Companion, and visit his many websites. You'll find most of what you need at thecosmiccompanion.net and thecosmiccompanion.com. So I hope that you'll enjoy this as much as I did. It was a lot of fun and it is a very educational episode so on to the interview so welcome this is my guest uh, today james maynard the host of the cosmic companion and uh james one of the first things i always ask people is how did you get into the hobby
1: well you know i was really born into astronomy and the space program quite literally my parents met working on the apollo project and so I was always surrounded by rocket scientists and, you know, my dad doing these very great, you know, experiential uh, lessons with me about science. You know, we, and if and we had one of those great old orange, uh, orange tube C8s, you know, Love classic, that. classic scope. And, uh, of course, you know, my dad, that was back in the days before, uh, you know, there are really good drive correctors. And um, so my dad made this, you know, electronics thing that fit right up into the tripod, which was, you know, this great little electronics drive corrector, you know, way, way ahead of its time. And every weekend we drag this thing up, Mount Kersage in New Hampshire, and uh, set up and just, you know, we take, we had a cold camera.
0: Remember those? <laughs> I do. I do the hypering of film and all that. Yes. It was, it was a yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Having to order like 1,000 ASA film <laughs> and, and having to get a get the thermos, uh, you know, thermos container full of, full of dry ice and packing it into dry ice.
0: It, it's, it. it's really amazing how the technology of all that has changed and made it so accessible to everybody now.
1: Yeah, yeah, but you know, there's like such great analogs now, too, for everything. You know, like when we'd come home at, you know, two, three in the morning, um, you know, we were both really into photography and we both had dark rooms. So we'd go into the dark room and start (laughs) exposing these images we had just taken of M31 or M51 or whatever. And, um, it was just been a lifelong love of mine that started with with my parents and especially my father. And it's the same for me. Another huge influence was Carl Sagan. He, you know, he hit with Cosmos at just the right time in my life, and um, I think, you know, between ages. You uh, know, in 9 and 12, I probably wore out four, literally like four hard, the bindings on four hardcover copies of Cosmos. I read it and reread it so many times. And, uh, and of course, the show, the show Cosmos, was just outstanding. That was truly revolutionary. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and what I loved about that is that Sagan didn't sit up there saying, well, the surface of Mars is approximately 25% iron oxide, accounting for its red color. Okay, okay, great, great, you know. But uh, what he did was, he said, come walk across the surface of Mars with me. Here are the Viking landers. Let's, you know, let's talk about these Viking landers while standing here. And that really breaks down walls to education. You know barriers to science education because it makes science and learning far more fun far more enjoyable and it's going to give most people a lot more retention give people a lot more retention than a simple litany of facts
0: it's always better to to learn by telling a story or hearing a story than just reading some facts you're right
1: yeah and my life My perfect, the the purpose of my professional life is to tear down barriers to science education.
0: Science education is extremely important. It's not what I do in my day job. Mm -hmm. I sell houses. That's my day job. Mm -hmm. But at night, uh, it's astronomy.
1: Increasing and making science education more. um, Delivering science education to a greater A number of people is really, I think, some of the most important work.
0: Yeah, everything revolves around science.
1: Absolutely, and and you know, as you know, it's a cliche, but you know, science is so much more than just a collection of facts. It's a whole zeitgeist, a whole way of thinking and critical thinking and learning how to at least trust math if even if you're not the greatest math (laughs) wins and um and i think that by spreading education by spreading science um we're really working on the on the best cure to a lot of society's greatest problems
0: Absolutely, and I, mean, I
1: can't imagine a more ambitious or more worthy goal for me to spend this one lifetime on. You know,
0: anything we can do to to make the world a better place, right?
1: Absolutely.
0: So I, I know one of the things that that's very big in the news and mm. uh, is coming up a lot is artificial intelligence, and I know you've All got right. some things about that and how that impacts astronomy.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, the whole there's a whole new revolution. It's actually started back in the 1980s um, with the first what first models of what's known as generative AI or generative artificial intelligence. And what this allows uh, users to do is to create new things, new works, new works of writing and art, whatever. That, um, that did not exist before based on huge, huge models of what's been done previously. And the most the common um, outlets for that are, that people may have heard of, are ChatGPT, where you I can know. write in uh, give me 500 words on the destruction of the Library of Alexandria. <laughs> uh, and then there are image-based um, um, applications, for instance, like Dali is probably the best-known one, where you can say, show, create a picture of me of Hypatia in the Library of Alexandria. <laughs> and it will create that. And the models they're using could be revolutionary for amateur astronomy.
0: In, in what way?
1: Um, in the way that what it does is it looks at these, at, these, um, at these models of things which have already been created. Okay, so we have all this big data from literally centuries of, of astronomy. We know where a heck of a lot of the stars are. We have the Sinbad database. We have uh, Stellarium. We have all these other amazing outlets. So what you can do is, let's say you're taking a picture of M51. Okay, Um, There's a lot of data out there. There's a lot of light up there. There's also a whole lot of noise once you go to record it. So you take your images and let's just say you're doing an lrgb of you know, luminance uh red green blue images um, and when you take these and i know most people out listening to this show are amateur astronomers so just bear <laughs> with me um, but when you take these images you're not creating uh, one big full color image of of the galaxy what you're doing Is you're saying, look at this tiny little, you know, subset of the wavelengths and create a black and white image of that. Do it again. Do it again. (laughs) And then you do it for all the green, you know, do it for reds, you do it for greens, you do it for the blues, and then you create the luminance filter, you know. Luminance image is correct for the fact that we see green more than other colors. But there's a lot of noise every time you see it. Every time you take an image, there's going to be some scattering from inside the scope. There's going to be light from your neighbor Wilbur's porch light. (laughs) You just won't shut off at night. Um, But the thing is that for the most part, uh, noise is random. Or it's more random than that star that's actually up there in the sky. Uh, and so what we do to get around that traditionally is stacking images. If I take these three images recorded in red of this object using the same instrument at roughly the same time, yada, yada, and I stack them on top of each other and then compress them, you know, um, merge them into one, one, uh, one file, one photo then i'm gonna get rid of a whole lot of the noise
0: right
1: because it's not showing up time and again while keeping the signal improving the signal to noise ratio that's that's great okay but that is a whole lot of fun oh my gosh i think i spent half a sunday doing that (laughs) (laughs) and all right but it's also an intellectual and procedural hurdle it's, it represents stacking and represents a barrier to people doing astrophotography and but imagine that you had an app where you could just put in your images and have artificial intelligence taking this data from Simbad from Stellarium from you know, these, you know, wide, wide field uh, maps that we're creating now. So it will know, hey, wait a minute. That's, that's not, that's not a piece of noise. That's HD 291164. And it will know to keep that light while getting rid of extraneous information. And that could provide the ability for a whole lot a lot far larger number of people to take up this wonderful sport we call astrophotography
0: <laughs> and and i think that that russell croman has uh really made a big uh, leap as far as that's concerned with uh his tools that he has for pics i know this is going pretty mm-hmm. deep uh if you're not into astrophotography you're probably going what the heck are they talking about but uh you know the, the the tools he's created, the star Exterminator and noise Exterminator and blur Exterminator, do amazing right. things, just mm-hmm. amazing, and it all uses artificial intelligence to do it
1: right And models like that are just going to get better and better as time goes on um, the One of the challenges with uh generative AI is that. It's a big universe out there. <laughs> okay, it's a big world out there, and this is still relatively a new technology. So, of course, I, you know, as of this recording, it was just—I think the day before yesterday—that Google announced it's it's Lambda, but wouldn't let anyone actually look at it. Did you hear this story? I haven't. No, they had they had an advertising like promo thing for it where they wanted to show how good it was, and they asked it, um, "What was the first image of? just um, what was the first image ever taken of an exoplanet by a telescope?" And it reported that it was the James Webb Telescope, <laughs> which took the first exoplanet image. Which of course it wasn't, right? So it has, so generative AI still has a huge amount of learning left to do. Um, but that is a matter of degree and not in that a real matter of something, uh, real revolutionary that has to happen. The revolutionary step is there. it's just a matter of giving it more training so so
0: there's the generative ai which is i'm guessing that's what the mars rovers use to avoid bumping into boulders and things like that
1: Hmm. hmm i would i honestly have to say i don't know enough about the ai in the mars rovers to give you a really good answer to that my thought is it would be more more decision making than actually generative you know is this thing that's standing in front of me a big rock or is that just my imagination <laughs> oh, but if big rock then avoid rock <laughs>
0: <laughs> well that was spirit and opportunity had that problem where they right. would, they would get spooked by the right. moon shadows
1: Right, right, right. And AI um, and these these huge learning models uh, are gonna be revolutionary for space exploration because you can't these machines, especially these spacecraft, especially as they get further away from us, are gonna have to become more autonomous just because of the speed of light. When you're on Mars. There's typically, of course, you know, because the distance between our planets always changes, the, the time delay when you're talking between Earth and Mars is, changes, but it's typically around 5, 10, 15 minutes, typically 10, 15 minutes. Now, you said, now, rover's going along, it says, huh, there's this thing in front of me, I think it might just be a rock. At that point, if it has to stop and then send a signal to Earth, it doesn't get to, to uh, the radio telescopes down here until 15 minutes later, let's say. Then the people here have to make a decision, let's say, you know, and that could take a while in itself, and then they send, send the signal up, back up to the rover saying... You know what? Go around that thing to the left, but make sure you get a good look at it. <laughs> and so, if you can speed up that process in non-dangerous situations, non-hazardous situations, then you're going to be able to cover a lot more ground with these rovers and do some more great, and do more great science. I think that's, that's really important.
0: Absolutely. So what are the type of things that are in our lives now mm. where AI is really going to benefit people? Or they may be using it and not even realizing it.
1: Right. Um, right now, I'll tell you what we're doing on our show. We use uh, generative AI like crazy to produce our show. All right. Um I, I first start creating the script using ChatGPT okay. and I'll create probably six versions of it and then take this part from this and that line from this version and then this half a paragraph from a, this other version merge them together and then go through it with my human eyes and say hey what looks good what sounds good what and what facts do I need to check <laughs>
0: on this in your own voice.
1: Yeah, yeah. And then use it to create if use other generative AI, typically uh Dolly or Mid Journey, which is another uh generative AI system, to create images for it. Um if I talk about if if I'm reading over the script and I say wow it'd be absolutely hilarious if I had an alien sitting uh on the moon uh wearing a cowboy hat. I can do it. (laughs) You know, and and I'll create those those type of images using generative AI. And then I use generative AI to um especially to correct um correct the audio tracks. And everything is all said and done. Uh And so there's a lot of, I think, overblown wariness among a lot of otherwise well-intentioned people um, who worry that AI is going to be used, you know, to cheat, to put up, you know, uh, ex- you know, put, create essay papers, let's say, for students, but. If generative AI is used correctly, uh, if you think of it, 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 then what it's producing is not houses, but bricks. And having this endless supply of bricks is a great way to help you build a house. <laughs> All right. The, um, it's not... If you don't use generative AI as a final product, but use it as the pieces of a much grander project, then it can become one of the most important tools we've had since the, since the development of the internet.
0: I think it's a really cool thing. Like I said, I just started playing around with Chat GPT. Uh, For myself, I was using it to do some research on uh, some famous astronomers, and it gave me some great summaries. Not all the information was correct, Mm -hmm. but it did give me some good summaries. And uh, I also, I I mean, I've used it in my real estate work as well to write descriptions of homes for listings, and it does a great job at that.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. and like you said does occasionally come up with the wrong things i had the other day i uh, had it asked it to produce i asked uh chat gpt produ- to produce a list of astronomers who are influenced by the apollo project space explorers influenced by the apollo project and one of the names it gave me was isaac newton <laughs> 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 somehow i don't think so no all right, but now, but this is really only the third uh, irradiation of, of its language model, which Chat GPT, it's why it's called G, uh, GPT-3. Um, and the next version, which is gonna come out of it, is supposed to be much, much more aware, much smarter, much, much more accurate. Um, but, right now like you said it's to to make these systems more accurate and more useful it's not a matter of having to greatly change something it's really just a matter of creating larger models for it to for it to understand and learn
0: so as far as the practical uses of it in amateur astronomy Other than astrophotography, yeah, where do you think that falls? And and in astronomy or science education,
1: yeah. Uh, Well, let's start with astrophotography. You know, amateur astronomy. I uh, I went out last night and uh, just dragged my equipment outside and uh, just to uh, just because I was really wanting to take a good look at the trapezium. I mean, it was. uh, 45 degrees, and it's just such a gorgeous sight anyway, right? But we, what if we had, and this would be fantastic for beginning astronomers, is what if AI were to be able to tell when and where you are on the planet so it could know what is up right now, and then it produces a tour of the night sky for you um and it could say hey guess what you, you would you like to look at some plants because jupiter's up there looking real pretty or you know maybe you want to see some nebula tonight oh let's do a tour of nebula okay well yeah, there's m42 there's uh <laughs> you know, different nebula out there and that makes learning more fun and that makes uh amateur astronomy easier know and so that is going to make more people i think get into the hobby and learn more about astronomy which is which is always a good thing yes and And, and i
0: think that but that's happened hasn't it with uh a lot of these yeah i think a lot of these uh astrophotography products that are out there really make it easy
1: yeah oh absolutely and this is just another step towards but this can become more interactive, like, okay, if I want to go out there and I want to say, okay, you know, go to, uh, you know, such and such target and it zips over to, you know, the Pleiades, okay, great. Now I want to, you know, look at the tarantula nebula, okay, and it can come on. That's fantastic. That is great. That breaks down barriers. But what about people who don't know about the triangular? or don't know about the Hyades cluster, or M87, this can act as an actual instructor to them, guiding them around the night sky, which I think is the next step from where we are now.
0: I think we're not far from that. We're not far from that.
1: We are not far from that at all. You'll see... You'll see things like that coming down the pipe in the next year or two.
0: And as far as in the classroom, where where do you think AI is going to be a benefit?
1: Right. Um, this may be the most important aspect of all is that as I said, with our show, we're producing a show that should not be able to get out with the with the size of the crew and the budget we have. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. A lot of great great shows can be put out using just a single single camera or you know talking with just one static image but what we're doing and if you people who are into video editing might get a kick out of this but a typical episode of the cosmic companion um is is recorded and edited over 20 odd tracks video and audio tracks from more than a hundred clips, and it's just—it's so complex. There is no way I should be able. To, we should be able to pull off this show with, with our time constraints and uh, <laughs> and the number of crew we have, and um, but we can do it because of AI. And so. The develop once this is used correctly to develop new systems to create new learning systems then teachers educators and creators of educational material like myself are going to be able and are currently able to create great educational materials that Uh, that rival uh, those that typically would come out of studios with much, much larger budgets. So these poor underpaid teachers who don't make nearly as much money uh, can create their own systems, even their own videos, their own um, interactive environments, even using AI and have Better materials, more recent materials at a lower cost, delivering better science education to more students and tearing down barriers to education. And It's and all in what can be imagined.
0: It, it is. It's, it's really amazing. I'm just wondering, uh, you know, the teachers obviously need to get behind this and, and learn it and implement it and use it. Yeah. I don't know that they know how i'm sure some do but uh you know it's going to be interesting to see how that gets disseminated out going forward
1: right and a lot of people are working on that and uh disclaimer one of the people who uh, (laughs) who is creating some awesome new materials teaching librarians how to use generative ai is my wife nicole hennig at the university of arizona and she um, is developing materials now to teach librarians how to use generative AI to bring education and great information to more people, make it accessible.
0: Libraries are certainly a changing uh, uh, system. They're, they're not what they used to be. It's not just books anymore. There's a lot more to it.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's so much more than so much more than books are. And of course a lot of the standards that are developed for libraries will then pass into academia. And especially in um I think that's somewhere where, you know, there's a there's a joke that uh yeah, one of those new jokes the last couple of weeks that uh that uh professors will oppose the use of chat GPT and still, until they start using it to write grant proposals <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I was just going to say and I think that honestly when people start using it for other purposes they're going a lot of people are going to start seeing its potential which is enormous
0: it's going to get out there obviously and people just need to understand it and learn it and know that it's not uh sentient and it's not trying to take over the world
1: all Um, right right, that's Terminator right
0: (laughs) (laughs) it's science not science fiction so uh you had mentioned the Cosmic Companion and I'd love to you know tell us about that because that's a that's how we found each other and and that's a a really cool thing
1: yeah thanks so much I'm really glad that you appreciate the show what the Cosmic Companion does is it's my mission to extend the learning and the education that began with Carl Sagan, of bringing people into their environments. Uh, and I do that by creating a show that merges not only a podcast, but um, professional level editing. I mean, it's like I said. The, use hundreds of clips to create just a few minutes of show uh, with virtual reality, artificial intelligence, uh, 3D environments, and, and this may be one of the most important things, humor.
0: That's very important.
1: Because people tend to think to, that science is boring. And you know what? A lot of times it is. All right, it can be very dry. Um, but I want to try to get away from that sort of dialectical, well, this is the this is the, the sound and just one back after another, after another. But by making it humorous and making it enjoyable and entertaining and throwing in pop culture and uh, you know, the occasional, you know, quick lesson in in uh, space debris taught by a virtual character which resembles but is legally distinct from Andy Griffith (laughs) 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 it's going to help people learn science and especially kids and that's what i really hope to do with the cosmic companion and we've built 3d environments i have a virtual moon base a uh, virtual science learning center uh, and about to, uh, make a virtual lava planet available to people to walk around. So instead of just hearing about, let's say, an exoplanet, you can walk around that planet and talk to you and jump over pools of lava <laughs> to get to a talking rock, which is going to teach you the geology of of the of the exoplanet and I think that makes learning fun. It makes it entertaining. And I'm using every technology at my disposal to make learning more fun, more experiential, and more and available to everyone I can get it out to.
0: So so how do people get to the cosmic
1: companion? Go to the well, pretty much everything. If you go to the, the cosmiccompanion.com.net.org.space dot com dot net dot org dot space, so but if you have to pick one, um, your best bet is to go to the dot net, where I bring everything together: the newsletter, the videos, the podcast, the three D virtual environments. Uh or if you'd like to just get on to the newsletter, because I all the cool cats are on there, <laughs> then that would be best uh, that would be at the cosmiccompanion.com. It's probably your best bet to to so look at every episode and sign up. And I was gonna say uh subscription there are both free and VIP subscriptions available, so no cost is needed to, to get it in your email inbox.
0: Well, that's a, a great thing. And uh, I know that I, I first discovered you um, just searching for astronomy podcasts for audio. And I stumbled on your podcast and I was like, oh, this is interesting. And you had some really interesting guests. You had a lot of interesting guests. Uh, and, you know, you've gotten NASA people, you've gotten some big names. And uh, it, it's just, it's a, a really well produced show and it's, it's interesting and entertaining. And there's short little, uh, you know, you do it all in, in a relatively short time, which is great.
1: Oh, well, thanks so much. Yeah, you know, I just cannot believe how fortunate I am to be able to talk to all these amazing guests. I am just overwhelmed at who we get, to, who we get on the show sometimes. You know, we've had, of course, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson uh, was on the show, and uh catherine sullivan who helped launch the hubble space telescope and she was also the first woman to reach the deepest part of the ocean and challenge her deep so we got to talk about you know everything literally from hubble down to down to the bottom of the ocean oh, Amazing. and we also had uh sylvia Earle, who is a former chief scientist at noaa and a world-renowned oceanographer. We, and I love this because I get a lot of guests from National Geographic and Scholastic books. And I get to talk to just some some amazing people. I just can't believe how fortunate I am that I get to talk to all these incredible people.
0: It's it's amazing to be able to do that and, and make a, a living at it as well, which is wonderful.
1: Yeah, following a dream, you know, it's a vocation. It's. If it's what you're meant to do, do it. Yeah. I mean, if you can, I mean, it's really, I find it a real loss that uh, so many people are forced into working jobs they don't like just to live. Right. Yeah. If there wasn't that, that drag on the American, on the human dream, there's just so much more that could be done if people could be sitting there writing um writing their dream book creating the play they've always had in their head you know to do the astronomy podcast they've always wanted to do <laughs> uh, this i really think our human culture would just be would just be enriched to such a degree um, and I really hope that everyone, as many people as possible are are able to to live out that dream that they have within them.
0: And the Internet makes makes it so
1: much so much easier now to get great education than than what what we had before. Uh, I'm right now enrolled in master class, which is a series of courses taught by some of the greatest greatest minds in their field. You know, I took science, I was able to take a course in you know, an abbreviated course with um Neil deGrasse Tyson in Science Communication. Mm-hmm. Just last night I finished a course in comedy taught by Steve Martin. You know, just enrolled in storytelling to- uh, taught by Neil Gaiman, you know, and these courses are like a couple hundred dollars a year, <laughs> you know, and it's just amazing how much we can learn now and use it to teach others through the use of the internet and AI and 3D environments. It's the revolution in astronomy and. In- in- in
0: education. It's, it's, really, it's really, yes, it is here. Again, I want to thank you, uh, James, for coming on uh, and sharing your thoughts on this. It's a, an excellent topic. It's something that's in the news. Uh, and I think it's going to be something that's going to be part of our lives going forward. But any, any final notes, that, that any, anything you want to wrap up with?
1: Just want to say, you know, if you, if, you want, if you want to see what AI is all about, if generative AI is all about, Give it a shot you know please go out you know look up dolly it's easy enough to find on if you want to see try to make pictures go to dolly and if you want to make paragraphs and words something written try chat gpt there's trial versions available free trial versions available of both see what happens play with it have fun and i also want to encourage people to. You know, composite us at cosmiccompanion.com and thecosmiccompanion.net and see what we're up to. And I
0: think it's pretty cool. And clear skies to everyone. Thank you again so much. And I will be back. Thank you. Excellent. Thanks, Mike. Take care Well, of. that's all for this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. And I hope that you found our time together to be fun and helpful. If you have questions or episode suggestions, please email us at AstroGuyPodcast at gmail.com or leave us a text or a voicemail at 973-404-0380. If you're not already a member, please join the AstroGuy Podcast group on Facebook. You'll find other members, videos, blogs, and lots of other useful information there for your enjoyment. You can also visit our YouTube channel, the AstroGuy Podcast, For past episodes and other surprises, please subscribe. It would be great if you would consider leaving us a review on your podcast platform. It helps us to get new listeners. Thank you again for listening, and may your skies be clear. As always, Carfe Noctum, seize the night. I'm Wenzel. And this was the Astro Guy Podcast. Thank you for listening. As always, your questions, comments, and suggestions are welcome. Keep wondering. Keep your eyes on the sky. Have fun. Carpe noctum. Seize the night.